Podcast. Coming to you from the Midwest Coast. I'm inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Leg of the Ozarks, Podcast, Studio B. This is the New Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Tell somebody about the podcast. It's all free. You know, you can download any of these free apps to any mobile device, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Store, Spotify. They're all free. That way you can join the thousands upon thousands listening every week from all over this big blue marble planet. Let's check it today. United States at the top of the list. Australia in second place again. Nigeria, Singapore, Canada, Latvia, Philippines, South Africa, Rwanda. We got Albania on the board this week. United Kingdom, Hungary, Israel, India, Netherlands, Norway, and Zimbabwe. Thank you so much for helping spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ worldwide. Speaking of Israel, we here at the New Old School Podcast absolutely stand with our brothers and sisters in Israel. We are actively praying for them at this time that God will vanquish the enemy and heal and protect their land. All right, we are in a series titled The Lord's Prayer. Um, We know that I I would dare to say that this is probably the most popular prayer ever spoken, what we call the Lord's Prayer, but we wanted to look a little bit deeper because at face value, it wouldn't seem as powerful as one might suppose that it should be, right? Here's the disciples, Lord, teach us how to pray. And boy, you would think uh, listening to people pray today that this prayer just doesn't quite seem like the prayer that we're praying today. Uh, But this is the response to that request uh, that we're talking about here today. As I said, I uh, we could think that, wow, it should be a bit more powerful or maybe a little bit more deep or maybe more involved or maybe cover a few more issues in it. Well, at face value, we're not really seeing what it is that we need to see. And that's why we're doing this podcast on it. This was given as a pattern of prayer, not, not a command to simply repeat the prayer. That's always a danger in Christianity. What I've seen is we take uh, well-meaning, powerful things from the Bible, and we kind of make them powerless by traditions of man. No, I mean, now we just listen and repeat so many things. They don't even hold any power in our lives anymore because we just haven't even truly seen the power of the things that we are speaking. So in diving into this prayer a little bit deeper, we've discovered some really amazing truths. We saw the purpose of prayer, followed by the person of prayer, our Father. You have a Father. It is Father God our father. This is Jesus talking to them and he's saying, hey, our father. The petition of prayer, we see this prayer begins with praise. It ends with praise, but in the middle, well, that's about us. It's about us asking and we discovered your father, God, wants you to ask. It takes faith to ask and expect an answer and it's faith that's pleasing to him. So if you missed the first three, of course, you can go back. You should go back. Listen to those first as they do build one upon another. Of course, today, if you are used to tuning in, it is Wednesday. It is not Thursday. I have some things to do tomorrow. I have to leave this evening after after church. So uh, we're posting this one on Wednesday for those of you that listen whenever you want to. If you're just jumping in, it doesn't really matter what day it is. But look with me, uh, this prayer found in Matthew 6. In this manner, therefore, pray. This is in response to the disciples. Hey, Lord, teach us how to pray. In this manner, 
therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's Matthew 6, 9 through 13. So today I want, as we have been taking this piece by piece and we're just looking at it, I want to look at and lead us not a temptation, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Verse 13. So what does this mean to us? Lead us not into temptation. What does that, what does that mean? Has anybody ever stopped to ask, lead me not into temptation? Well, he doesn't. So what does it mean? Well, let me, let me give you an overview of today's podcast, just a little teaser, and we're going to fill in the blanks uh, as to where we are going. So number one, God cannot blank, okay? We're going to fill in that blank. This is something that God cannot do. Next, God won't blank. God won't because of his character. God won't do. Next, God will. God will blank. And last, if we will blank. Okay, God cannot, God won't, God will if we will. Okay, let's look. God cannot tempt us. It is impossible and outside of his nature to do it. So don't, don't misunderstand this because people will talk of the sovereignty of God and they will take that to mean, well, that God can do anything that God sees fit to do. Well, sovereignty means he's the supreme ruler of the entire universe, but, but it doesn't take him outside of his nature or his character. God cannot do many things. God cannot change. God cannot change because if God could, then that means he could get better. Well, God can't get any better than he is. He is the best and he's perfect. God cannot stop loving you because he is love. He doesn't just have an emotion or a feeling. It is who he is. He is love. He cannot change that. The person of love, Mr. Love. God cannot tempt us. James 1, this is all about temptation, the entire chapter, James 1. But in verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Notice that when we endure temptation, that we are blessed and we get rewarded. Now, that's pretty amazing. Endure means to continue to trust God. Even though I'm being opposed and tested, and I'm going through a difficult time, but I continue to trust my God. Verses 13, 14, this is still in James 1. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot tempt, God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So here we are, what does it say? Drawn away by a desire that we have. And when the enemy sees that, then he jumps on it and he tempts us with it. But notice, it's when we are drawn away by a desire. So if we are taking our eyes off of God and we are drawn to something else, immediately Satan notices that and he brings in the temptations along with that. We are tempted when we are drawn away by our own desires to be drawn or to turn away from, turning from God. So in in my family, you know, little grandbabies, uh, not as little anymore, but with Momo, little Mo, right? Something, something would take place. Let's say he, he fell maybe and scraped his knee, okay, or he's upset. Uh, then I'd offer him a popsicle, and wow, somehow he's all better. Well, what, what are we doing? It's focusing or drawing his focus 
to something else. The devil is always the tempter. It's never God. Matthew 4 and verse 3, now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread, right? Satan is called the tempter. 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 5, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I, I sent to you, I sent to know your faith. Lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. So Satan is the tempter, the devil. He, he takes what could be a good desire and he tempts us. It doesn't always have to be even something bad or even something evil. For instance, we could have someone who's involved in, let's say, you could be involved in anything. How about work? Okay, really diving into their work. Uh, they could get super busy and taking all their time to work. And then they could be bombarded with impure thoughts. Why? Well, see, if you're really looking into your life, working's not bad in and of itself, right? But to get so caught up that you never had have any more time for fun, uh, yeah, never have any more time for hobbies, you don't have any time for your family or friends or the things that you used to like doing, well, what was fun to you, and now I'm not having any fun, so what will happen? The tempter can come in and tempt you with false fun. He likes to take something that's done, all in good, good intentions, and he likes to pervert everything and counterfeit it. So it could be that way, and you'll have to fill that with fun again. What am I saying? You need to find time to do those things. See, sin is a counterfeit joy, right? Think about that. Sin is counterfeit joy. It brings joy for a moment, and when we don't receive the joy and the things of God, then the devil will come and he's going to offer something else. So number one, God cannot tempt us. Number two, God won't mislead us. Lead us not into temptation. Again, why would we ever pray this? God wouldn't lead us into this in the first place. Well, we need to understand this word temptation. It's translated differently all through the New Testament. It has a much broader meaning than I think we know. You look at James 1, verses 2 and 3. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. This word trials is the exact same Greek word that we find in Matthew 6 that translates temptation. It's a much broader meaning. It means a, a temptation or a trial or you could say a test. So let me say this. Would God ever lead us into a test or a trial? Well, he would. The trying of our faith causes us to grow in our character to be able to fulfill the destiny that God has for us. Now, let me say this, not sickness, not disease. That, that's what a lot of folks jump right to that. Get that out of your head right now. Never, ever is it translated as a sickness. It's never disease. It's never a physical infirmity. Never, ever do you see any of God's people being led or tested by God with sickness and disease. No. Some of them had sickness and disease, but not because of God. He was the one that always led them out of it, and he healed them of it. But what about the three Hebrew boys? They were tested by a trial, but God made a way. God allowed them to get into the fiery furnace. Oh, he could have come down and wiped the whole place out. He could have, but he allowed them to get into the fire. Now, that seems, you know, I mean, whoa, but wow, look at their faith, how they came out of that, and look at how it changed things. God made a way. Daniel in the lion's den. God made a way. God would only do it for our good. And when we talk about lead us not in temptation, here's what happens. When God leads us into a trial, that the tempter is there to tempt you in that trial. I bet the Hebrew boys were being tempted to bow. I bet Daniel was being tempted to bow before he got thrown into the lion's den. 
and many, I mean, we can look all through scripture, New Testament as well. God knows this, but what he's encouraging us to do is to pray for protection, pray for guidance, have faith that God is going to answer my prayers. Look at Matthew 4 and verse 1. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. Not by God, by the devil. The Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. God led his son into a time of trial and testing, but the devil was sitting there waiting for him in it. God knows this, so why do it? Why do it? Reason number one, he did it for the good of his son. Luke 4 and verse 14 says that Jesus returned in and under the power of the Spirit of God, right? He came out stronger after that season of testing and trials. And you can see that in your own life. You know that. But the main reason he did it was for our good. He led his son, right? Now, he didn't, he didn't lead him into this to fail, but rather to show us that he could succeed. He showed him that, hey, start here. You, you got to see the power of the word that you have behind you and that you can stand face to face with the devil and you can tell him that it is written and he has to obey you. Show mankind that they can do this. Hebrews 4 and verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but he was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Ah, see, Jesus knows. He knows everything that you've gone through. Don't sit there and think, oh, you don't know. He does know. Hebrews 2 and verse 18, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Jesus was set up to be able to help you through your temptation. He's been there and done that. He's been tempted. Have you ever stopped to ask Jesus, like, again, just for instance, uh, this, have, you ever, have you ever stopped to ask Jesus, hey, how did you overcome lust? Jesus, how did you ever overcome thoughts of wanting to be greedy at times or selfish? Jesus, how did, how did you ever overcome ha wanting to have revenge on the people that were hurting you? How did you do that? Help me do that. He was tempted with pride, lust, jealousy, anger. He, he was tempted to not forgive. He was tempted at all points, it says, because he can now aid us, and he gets it. He sympathizes with us. He's not mad that you're struggling with it. He gets it. He understands that because he's been there. But he can also show you the way to overcome it. He understands that. We can talk to Jesus about it. I, I know that we act like if I don't talk to him about it, he won't know. We try to hide because of shame. He already knows, and he knows how to get you out of it. He was tempted in the wilderness in a dry place, and he was led by the Spirit there. Remember that cloud represented the Spirit in the Old Testament that God led his son, he said, my son Israel, into the wilderness? He didn't lead them to stay there for 40 years, though. It was an 11-day journey. That's it. 11 days turned into 40 years. But isn't that like us? Deuteronomy 8 and verse 16, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good in the end. If God ever leads us into a trial, this is what we can know about it. He's doing it to help us and to do good in us. Now, to understand this in Matthew, it has to be in step with other scriptures. So we have to go to James 1 to know what, why, that God would never tempt us, but he leads us and it's for our own good. So anytime we read something in the Bible that you do not understand, it's because you do not understand it. That's deep, right? No, here's my point. There's nothing wrong with the Bible, but there's something wrong with our understanding. This is why we have to renew our minds daily. Do not be conformed to this world, right? Isn't that what Romans says? But be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can prove what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. 
So when I read, and do not lead us into temptation, I have to renew my mind by other scriptures. So God can't tempt us. God won't mislead us. Even through places that we, that we go and we'll find the tempter, he's there. But here's the thing, and next, God will deliver us. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with that temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Two great promises in scripture here. And sorry, this does away with a lot of excuses too, doesn't it? God will never allow me to be tempted above what I am able, and next he will with every temptation that does come, he will make a way for me and for you to get out of it unharmed. We do not have to give in because there's tools available to be able to overcome it and to walk away from it. There are no excuses for us to give in to it. He makes a way. 2 Timothy 4, 17 and 18, but the Lord stood with me and he strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. 2 Peter 2 and verse 9, then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of the temptations and reserve the unjust under the punishment for the day of judgment. Thank God for it. He can deliver us. He makes a way of escape. But our part is to pray. This is what Jesus was trying to tell them in the teaching, teaching them how to pray. You've got to pray. You have to pray for protection from the evil one. Every day, protection and success over every temptation every day. God, I know that it is your will that you do not tempt anyone, but there is a tempter. And I know that it is your will to provide for me again today a way for me to escape it. And that you would never allow me to be tempted above something that I just could not handle. So that tells me that if I am tempted today, it's okay. Because you said it was something that I can overcome and that there is a way out. And I'm asking for that road today. Show me that road today, Lord. But if we do not pray, then we can find ourselves in trouble without a plan of escape. And that's where we usually give into it. We don't pray when it hits us. No, we get ashamed. We get ashamed that, that this has ever come to me and that we try to hide it. We try to figure it out. We try to avoid it by human willpower. And well, you know, it doesn't work. You have to pray. We have to pray. The next thing, last thing, if we pray, now this is our part and God will do his part if we do our part. You do understand that God is motion sensitive, right? What do I mean? When we move, then he moves. You think about it. Give, and it shall be given. Oh, wait a minute. That's me first. If my words abide in you, then you can ask. Uh, you ask. You knock. You bind on earth, and, and then it will be bound on. You loose, and then it shall be, right? We move. Our part, he does his part. He's telling these men, you have to pray. Pray every day. Pray every day for provision. Pray for protection and his will. Pray for forgiveness. We have an enemy that's coming after you. I hope you know that. And we've got to pray every day. He's going to in times of trials. He's there to tempt you. If we will pray. Matthew 6 is saying, Lord, lead us and deliver us. I mean, that kind of sums it up. Lead us 
and deliver us. Psalms 119, 133, direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Direct my steps and protect me. Jesus was telling the disciples that, guys, you better pray because temptation is always here. Matthew 26 and verse 41, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The way you overcome temptation, through prayer. Could you ever imagine Let's just say, again, we'll go back to, let's say at the times that you're being tempted by lust, having a, having a conversation with God while being tempted and how that might just change the mood a little bit. But you have to pray for that to take place. Having a conversation with God while the devil's tempting you with something impure, I think that would probably change some things in us right there, right? But do we do that? Do we stop? No, usually we don't. Because usually we're just ashamed that it's even happening. Same with any scenario, I, w- I would think. So here's Jesus praying in John. This is John 17, 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Do not keep them from the trials and the testing, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So let me talk to you. I was shocked. Really, I, I <laughs> shocked is, I'm not sure I have the words to tell you what I thought. Well, I thought a lot of things that I probably had to repent about at some point in this conversation that I'm getting ready to tell you, uh, but I was shocked, really. I've been in ministry for over 20 years uh, and, and had been very successful in that at that time, you know, traveling as an evangelist, um, seeing more miracles than I can remember. I've preached in more churches and tent revivals and mission trips all over the world. Uh, we've started healing schools. We've held healing school every week for 23 years, TV programs worldwide for 10 years, been a part of a lot of revivals. We had a radio station for a while. We have the podcast, made a lot of relationships, really been amazed at what God has done. And now all of a sudden, it wasn't that things didn't happen through those years of ministry. Lots of stuff did, but we overcame it, right? We saw God's goodness and uh, people loved us and they were, they were packing the place out. And, and yes, I'm going somewhere. And so now, be led to start a church. God says you're going to start a church. Now, we had a ministry of 20 years. Now, you're going to start a church. And it seems that the moment that the word church was mentioned, that it all went to hell real fast. I couldn't even imagine the amount of warfare that was coming my way because I've been in ministry already for a long time. I've seen my fair share of the ugly side and people and the enemy and Start something with the word church in it, you have no idea what's coming your way. Satan hates the local church. I couldn't even imagine this past two years how people that you could give your life for, they loved you. You helped them, loved what you were doing, joined you in every meeting, stood with you, prayed for you, right? I mean, I mean, invited you to come and speak or they would come here and they would speak many times and they would travel with you and you sewed into it and you sewed into them and, and all wanted to be a part and things were amazing and things were happening. And I mean, you couldn't beat them away with a stick even if you tried and then start a church and I can't tell you the level of heartache, pain to know that a lot of these same people hate you now and not just, but set out to destroy you, some of them. Not just, well, you know, I I don't like you or whatever. Let's destroy, let's publicly defame him in the church. Let's lie on him. Unbelievable the amount of warfare. Nights of tears and pain, sleepless nights. And now let's add this type of warfare. So in the past two years of starting the church, I've almost died twice. 
Once was a very close car wreck that I'm not even sure how I wasn't involved in it. And the other, me living at this lake, my entire life I've lived at this lake. I grew up in the water, around the water, in the water, on the water, all around the water my whole life. And I almost drowned a couple months ago. And when I say that I almost drowned, I'm saying that I really thought, Michelle really thought, as she's screaming for me above the water, not knowing where I'm at. It's nighttime, blackout, lights didn't work on the dock. This was it, I'm a dead man. She heard the splash and that was it, I'm under. Black at night and I ain't coming up. I'm stuck in something. I've hit my head, I blacked out from it, and now I'm stuck under a dock. And you want to add to this warfare to see just how bad the devil is? So obviously I made it. But then I come to the prayer team, right? That's earlier in the week. And I'm, I'm literally working on our other home that Michelle lives in. We don't, right now she lives somewhere else until, you know, her son can graduate and then she can come up here. And so, so here I am, I'm, I'm down there working on the house and I know that Holy Spirit is saying, you drop what you're doing right now and you get up there and talk to the prayer team right now. Now, I mean, check this out. This is amazing. I'm talking about warfare. That's why you got to pray because it, it will blindside you. I have never seen something like this happen. I couldn't have made this story up. I can't, I'm not, I don't even know. I, I struggle to believe it's real except that it happened to me. And so here I am, right? Having almost died, freaked us out, right? I mean, goodness, Michelle and I noticed right away, oh my gosh, we are under attack. Here we are. Paint, I literally put the paintbrush down and said, Michelle, put stuff up right now, put the lids on the paint. We got to get back. It's, it's, it's a almost three hour drive. We got to get back for prayer tonight, right now. I know Holy Spirit's telling me I need to talk to the prayer team. I need to talk to them. So, I mean, still with paint on us, still in work clothes, walked into prayer on a Friday night, right? We, we got to get back up to the, to the prayer team and the church and the prayer coordinator on a Friday night. And having just a few days to process what took place, hearing from God how we're under attack and how we have to begin to pray specifically for the staff, for myself, for Michelle, for the church, because this isn't just coming for me. And so I need you guys to shift for six weeks. This is what I heard. For six weeks to pray along these lines and my prayer coordinator, when I say this to her, she quits two days later. Because you ain't going to tell me what I'm going to pray because I only pray what Holy Spirit says to pray and you don't hear from Holy Spirit. You want to talk about warfare? You couldn't, you couldn't make that up. God says, hey, you're going to need to up your prayer life because we're under attack. So now I'm seeking the Lord on who should be an intercessor for us because that didn't work out real good last time. So God's telling me we have to have somebody that's going to pray for us daily. After my mother passed away a couple years ago, I'm not sure that that's been taken up, somebody praying for us daily. And I mean, in this season, we have to have some people. So I'm praying that God finds us these people. I, I don't know that I can just, I can't find them. I mean, I can't just say, I think it's this person or that person. I, I don't know. It's very serious. The devil is trying to take us out. I'm not just talking about me. I have to pray. I better include in my prayers, help me to not be tempted when going through the trials and deliver me and protect me and my family from the evil one. What am I saying? Guys, prayer is so, so important, friends. The warfare that Christianity is going through right now is just crazy. Now, I just say start a church, and I understand that as, as an evangelist that had traveled, there were plenty of other issues and apostles and many others. I'm not just saying it's local churches. I'm saying anybody, anybody anybody. Come on, we got to get out ahead of this. We got to be proactive because I can see that it, what I mentioned that we went through here with our prayer team, 
It's all been totally dismantled. How hard is it to say, my goodness, get together and pray on a Friday night? That seems just like a, a standard statement that could just be taken so easy. Just, well, of course we're going to pray. We're Christians. We go to church. Of course we'll pray. And the answer was no, we're not going to pray. Whoa, you couldn't have seen that coming. I mean, just standing here talking about it, I'm still kind of baffled. Like, did that really happen? It really happened. I mean, it went way off the rails where God was wanting us to go. This region for the people, the prayer, right? The plans for this area not to come to pass if we do not have people praying. But it got selfish. And that's what the devil's looking to do. He's looking to, to break the back of prayer in the church. And let me say, he's done it here. He's done it here at this ministry. And so I've canceled prayer for Friday nights here because it's gone off the rails. I'm going to have to find out what direction we're going. And we will. We're going to get back on track. But I'm just saying, it. I can tell you, all kinds of hell has come. I mean, it's just nasty. Nasty. And it wasn't going in the direction the Holy Spirit told it me that it needed to go. And instead, somebody, instead of somebody humbling themselves and listening to what the Lord was saying, now we're left with no one. My point is, is the devil is attacking prayer lives. He's getting in the middle of something good. It was a good thing. Of course, we're going to get together and pray on a Friday. How, what could possibly go wrong? Well, it went way wrong. How in the world could the devil get in the middle of a prayer meeting? But boy, he did. And it went miles off the rail. And now it's turned into such a big deal. Bridges were burnt. These people aren't even welcome in this place anymore, some of them. Unbelievable. These were the people that were praying. They were praying. I mean, well, there was a lot of other nasty things said. I'm, I'm not going to give you the full uh, five chapters this person texted me about how much of a horrible, ignorant, stupid person I am that does not hear from Holy Spirit. But I'm just saying, wow, for a prayer coordinator to say that about their pastor, the devil got in there somewhere. <laughs> the devil got in there somewhere. Wow. Something that was meant for so good. What am I saying? We better have our eyes open. He's attacking prayer because Satan knows how important it is to have a covering of prayer anywhere, especially in a setting like that when we're asking folks to come together as a corporate prayer type of issue and pray for the needs and the, the people and the church and the, and the town and the region. Satan knows the power of prayer, and he got right in the middle of ours. I'm just giving it to you as a warning. Don't boo-hoo over me because we're going to keep going. We always keep going. But, I mean, come on, for someone to say, no, I will, listen, I mean, for someone to come to you and say, no, I will not pray for you, pastor, and I will not pray for the church, and I will not pray for your protection, and I will not pray for the protection of the staff, you can't tell me what to pray. I mean, right after I almost died, and Holy Spirit says, get to prayer night right now and tell them, and then for them to say no, but not just no, and I quit, wow, the tempter got into prayer night? We got to really have our eyes open. We got to, I mean, because just to read those statements right there, you're thinking there's just no way, but there is a way. Why is Jesus saying, guys, you have to pray. You have to pray. You're going to be drawn into your own desires. You're going to be drawn, even in prayer at times, it, it appears, we could be drawn in the wrong direction, and we've got to start praying that God, not my will, yours be done, see? The tempter got into prayer night. Come to find out there was a whole lot of things taking place on prayer night that I never would have approved of for uh, ever. 
So what am I saying? Guys, we got to pray. We got to pray. We got to pray. We got to pray. And the prayer has to be us being submitted to what it is that God wants done. We have to pray now more than ever. Come on, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Oh, how we got to pray every day as we have an enemy who is always seeking whom he may devour. Don't be one. Be a person of prayer. Don't be one that can be taken easily by the devil. I really believe this. Prayer is the backbone of all that's taken place. And the devil trying to paralyze the church. Come on, don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. He almost did it to us, but we caught him. Don't let him do it. All right, thank you for joining me today. That's all the time that I have. This is the New Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Until next time, you know I'm praying because I'm going to keep attempting the ridiculous and achieving the miraculous.